Hello and welcome back to the ninth episode of the Overline Sports Layup Line. I am one of your hosts, Nathan Kennedy, joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Nolan Russell. Nolan, how's it going? It's going very well. Playoff basketball is in full effect. Hard to complain. I'm, I'm very happy with my picks so far. I think the only one I got wrong was the Lakers. I don't know. Anthony Davis getting hurt obviously didn't help there. So that one, I, I think, is a wash. <laughs> Yeah, I think that one's a bit of a wash too. Uh, but as Nolan alluded to, the first round of the NBA playoffs came to a close last night. So we're going to give you guys our, I guess, closing thoughts on the first round and then a little look ahead to the second round matchups, uh, even though a few games have been played up until this point. But we're going to start with the East side. And I guess no better way to start than with the Heat and the Bucks. Nolan, you kind of gave it a tail of the tape at the beginning and said this was going to be a different kind of year because the Bucks got better, whereas the Heat got worse. And I guess we saw that. So if you want to give any thoughts on that, then go right ahead. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting a sweep, but I'm not super shocked. I think one of the underrated things that really hurt the Heat this year was just their lack of size now. They lost Myers Leonard and Kelly Olynyk. So like last year, they played Bam as a power forward more and had, had a little bit more extra size to help protect the rim. And now with him as kind of their primary rim protector, it, it just left too much of a weakness inside and the Heat had to keep collapsing and left shooters open. It was just not a great setup to, to stop that Bucks offense now with a lot less size. So that really hurt them in this series. And obviously Milwaukee's defense was just suffocating on them. They put Giannis on Butler and Butler just really couldn't do much at all. And Holiday obviously was a force on the perimeter and Brooke Lopez was a great supporting rim protector. So it was just a really bad series for Miami. Not a good matchup for them. It's kind of unfortunate they couldn't have squeezed into that five seed because I think they would have had a real shot of getting through if they ended up as the five seed, but they weren't built to beat Milwaukee this year. Yeah, I think uh, the Bucs also did have a lot of bench scoring through the series. Um, Bryn Forbes, I think in just under 18 minutes, I think averaged close to 13 points. So that was a good, good amount of bench scoring from him. Even PJ Tucker had a few good games. Pat Connaughton had a few good games as well. Bobby Portis played well most of the series. I mean, it's pretty tough, especially with a team as deep and well-coached as Milwaukee is to kind of compete when they're able to bring in a second unit and still have a significant amount of production. But as we alluded to last time, we talked about it. The Heat did unfortunately get a little bit worse, as you had mentioned, whether that be through skill or size, like the loss of Olenek and Myers Leonard kind of showed in the series but we I didn't really anticipate a sweep either I knew it was going to be fairly convincing I think I said five or six games but going forward I think we're going to see that the Bucks definitely have the potential to make a pretty deep deep imprint in this postseason it's going to be hard especially against the Nets but I like the way that they came out strong in the first round We'll keep it in the East. I mean, we may as well go to the 76ers and Wizards because that one much like the Bucks heat ended up being quite a wash and if you if you want to start with that again you can. I think we both had Sixers and five and it played out kind of how we expected. They, yeah, Washington just didn't really have anyone to stop Embiid, and that's always not going to help, especially when Philly is just such a good defensive squad. If you can't stop their number one option, it's just going to cause so many problems because you're not going to be able to score a ton of points on them. It just played out exactly as I expected, really. Philly kind of just dominated that series. Washington was able to squeak away with the win, but they didn't really have much of a shot, I don't think. Yeah, they kind of caught a tough bounce having to go against Philly. The fact that they made it in the playoffs is impressive in and of itself, but playing what most people would call the bus of the East, especially in the first round, isn't a great outcome for them. But uh, honestly, I was pretty happy to see the Wizards in the playoffs. It was nice to see Russ back, but yeah, they didn't they didn't match up well. They really didn't have any inside answer to Embiid, and especially especially on offense. I mean, they were, they kind of got stifled for the first three games and came alive in the in Game Four, and then their eventual loss in Game Five. But I don't think they really showed much that I didn't expect, though. The 76ers, I I expected much of what they gave us going forward. I think much of the same will probably occur. I don't really see aside aside from Game One that we're going to talk about in a little bit. I don't really see much of that happening again. 
going forward, I mean, this is all momentum for the 76ers just getting out of the first round like we had kind of deemed them to eventually do. I would assume it would be pretty chalk to most people, but I, I'm excited to see what they do going forward. I guess we'll, we'll skip right over and we'll finish out the East. Or sorry, second last series in the East and we'll go Celtics and Nets. We had talked about it. Jalen Brown being out was going to be a bit of a problem and they kind of played out that way. They really just had no answer for the big three in the Nets. They all kind of had their games to shine. And it's pretty hard when you don't have an answer for each individual on the floor and especially off of switches and taking advantage like on ISO situations. It just, it got, it got to be too much for the Celtics and they kind of got overwhelmed on, on defense. But I will say Tatum, Tatum stuck his neck out for a few games played unreal, but it's, it's pretty hard to win when you don't have much of a supporting cast around you, especially against one of the more talented offensive teams in the league. Yeah. Especially with no Jalen Brown, they just didn't really have much of a shot there. I predicted Brooklyn in four. They won in five. Tatum had that one really great game that he kind of willed that team to victory, but there was never going to be a scenario where they won four to seven in that series, I don't think. So not shocked with the outcome there. Yeah, it was cool to see that how the narrative of kind of Kyrie's revenge tour to Boston played out. He was getting boos early in the series and was able to silence them early, and then they weren't really that vocal after that. But all in all, it was a really entertaining series. I mean, Nets basketball is extremely fun to watch. Their ball movement when they're when they're in rhythm is pretty pretty unbelievable to watch. So it was a great series to watch. And I guess we'll get to what most would say the most contested first round series uh, in the East, which would be the Knicks and the Hawks. Knicks fall to the Hawks and they push through to play the 76ers, which the first game occurred, I think it was last night or the night before. And that series was extremely entertaining to watch. I really expected the Knicks to put up more of a fight, if I'm being honest. They got stifled early in the series and really just had no answer. They got outscored. I, they kind of got out-hustled defensively a lot of the time. But I don't know, tr- John Collins and Trey Young just kind of came alive in that series. And I just... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really know what else there is to say. Like, that was kind of a shocker to me, to be honest. Yeah, I was hoping for a better first round in the East in general. None of the series went past five games. Fortunately, the West kind of picked up the slack, and we got some really great series in the West that we'll get into in a bit. But Julius Randle's performance in the series was extremely disappointing. And when your number one option is not playing well, it's always going to have a tough impact on the team as a whole. And there wasn't really much depth on the Knicks offensively. And as good as a defense is, if you just can't put buckets up and your number one option is just struggling, you're kind of going to be screwed. And that's kind of what played out here. I expected them to, to pick up a couple more wins, but I had the Hawks just based on the pure depth of talent that they have. And even if Trey has an off game, which didn't really happen, but even if he did, they have guys like Bogdanovich and Collins and Hunter who can always step up and get you a win. So they just had the better overall squad, in my opinion. Yeah, barring anything else that needs to be said, I mean, we'll skip over to the West. I think probably the most chalk series, I would say, was probably the Jazz and Grizzlies, which we'll go to first. This series was really no surprise to me. I really didn't see this playing out the other way. I mean, as as well as Jaw played pretty much throughout the series, your number one option can only do so much. And if you really have no supporting cast around them, I mean, it's it's pretty difficult to stifle a much better team like the Jazz are. But that series, as I said, went pretty chalk. Bogey played pretty well. Bogdanovich did his thing. Donovan Mitchell had a really good series. Jordan Clarkson, his regular performance up to seasonal standards, so to speak. So Jazz kind of were just the way better two-way team and went very to chalk as to what I thought it was going to be. I was really impressed with Jaws' performance, though. I, I want to give him some credit for his play in this series, his first postseason appearance, and he was playing very well for them. He averaged 30 points and 8 assists per game on 49% shooting. So against a really good uh, defensive team, number one seed in the league. So got to give him a lot of credit. Second season in the league, and he's kind of pulled that Grizzlies team into a very quick rebuild. They, they didn't really even have much of a rebuild because he just immediately uh, took them back on the map. 
almost got him into the playoffs last year and narrowly got him in this year. So got to give him a lot of credit for his play, especially in that series. But there was really no scenario where Memphis is going to beat Utah in, in a seven-game series unless, you know, Mitchell and Gobert get hurt or something like that. But it really wasn't going to happen. But got to give them credit for putting up a, a good effort. Yeah, and I was going to say, don't expect the Grizzlies to be kind of a one-and-done. I mean, I expect the Grizzlies to be kind of one of those five through eight seeds who we see for a few years to come, especially with how good of a young core they have with Ja, Jaron Jackson. Even Jonas Valanciunas has hit a very good stretch of his career with Memphis. He's gotten a lot better over the last few seasons. And then got the Canadian Dylan Brooks, Grayson Allen, infamous Duke product. They have a really talented team, and I think give them a few years to develop. I think they could definitely be a solidified playoff team in the in the Western Conference to come. Yeah. I like guys like Brandon Clark and Desmond Bain too a lot. So I really like their young core they got. The problem is they're in the West. So with the Warriors getting better next season, who knows? Minnesota might even be pretty solid, like if they're actually healthy for a full year. So there's some dangerous teams. New Orleans didn't make the playoffs this year, but they're always someone that could pop in if their players really start to, to click together. So that West is so tough, but I would love to see Memphis get in the playoffs again next year. And I think they have a real shot, so. With that, we'll uh, feed over to the Nuggets and Blazers next. What a series this was. I mean, to be honest, they made it a lot closer than I thought. I think I said Nuggets in five. But Damian Lillard <laughs> Damian Lillard did Damian Lillard things. There's really no other way to say it. I mean, that triple overtime game was absolutely unbelievable. He dropped 55, 10, and 6. Completely put the whole team on his back and uh, in the eventual loss. But, oh, sorry, it was double double overtime. But what a what a game and what a series Damien had. It's unfortunate to see such a great individual talent come up short, and we don't really get to see him for the rest of the postseason, but he put up as good an effort as you could possibly expect from a superstar. So I definitely want to give him a lot of credit for that series. Pushing it to six as well against such a good Nuggets team, I think is a win in and of itself. But again, I, I see this team making a few offseason additions and possibly competing again next year, but... There, there is there is quite a bit that I think this roster needs to do in order to get ready to be back in the upper echelon of the West, in my opinion. I'm really, really curious to see what happens with their offseason because I, I don't really know what the plan is now in Portland. I'm not even really sure that Dame is necessarily staying. I could see a trade potentially happening. I hope not. For, I, I think Portland has a decent core there. They need to, to add maybe one more guy to, to really solidify that roster, maybe potentially go after someone like Carl Anthony Towns. If they could pull something like that off, that would be huge. But I, I think they've got a, a good roster there. They just ran into a really tough Nuggets team in the first round, and that's the problem of playing in the West. You're going to have a tough opponent no matter what, really. They really need to fix their defense, though. That's the big concern with Portland. they got plenty of offensive talent, especially with Dame leading the way. But if you're the 29th-ranked defense in the regular season, you're going to have a tough time winning in the playoffs, and we saw that play out. But what a battle between Jokic and Dame, though, that whole series. you got Dame averaging 34 points and 10 assists. Then you got Jokic having 33 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists. Like, just a battle between those two guys. Like, oh, nuts. I mean, Jokic gets completely overshadowed in this series because Dame is just playing so well, but he averaged 33 points. You got to give him a lot of credit, too. And uh, Michael Porter Jr., though, I think he was he was a really key for them. And Monte Morris off the bench is one of the underrated aspects of, the, of that series win. I think he dropped around yeah, 15 points and six assists as a bench player. That's really, really good production to average that in the series. So good all-around matchup between two really evenly matched squads, especially with Jamal Murray out. But I think we both had the Nuggets winning, and it played out as expected. Tough series, but Denver, I think, had a slight edge. So happy to see them go on. 
now for our loyal listeners who listened to the last episode, you you'll remember that I mentioned the dark horse of the well, my my dark horse pick of the playoffs was Michael Porter Jr. And he he kind of he fit the bill in this series. I mean, he played extremely well, was was great on and off the ball, was good defensively as well. Him and Gordon give him a little bit more time to gel together. I feel like that could be a really, really great forward core for the Nuggets going forward. But I I love Michael Porter Jr.'s game. He kind of just picked up the slack from Jamal Murray being out. He taking a lot more touches, taking more shots, kind of giving more of a bigger role with the team already being thrusted into the spotlight. But he's been excelling early, and I'm going to be really excited to watch him in the second round. I think he definitely has the potential to go forward and do a lot of damage against the Suns, especially with Jokic taking DeAndre Ayton's attention down low. But it's it's going to be a great series. But I, I got to shout out MPJ because he's, especially coming off the injury last year, he's had a great season all around. 19 points on 54, 42, 91 shooting in this series. So definitely a huge boost to them offensively. And as you mentioned, I, I was actually kind of impressed with his defensive play, especially for someone that's often criticized for their, uh, his play on that end. I, I thought he played pretty well defensively in this series. Still needs to improve as a playmaker, and that's that's kind of the big issue I have with him uh, offensively. That's really the only hole in his game on on that end is he's just not a great passer or playmaker. But when you have Jokic uh, as your point center, especially when uh, you got like guys like Campazzo and Monte Morris, and you know when Murray gets healthy, they've they've got plenty of playmakers. So having him as just sort of a, a go-to scorer when they when they need him, and just someone that can shoot threes, really good fit for that roster. Let's move on to. I guess we'll do Lakers-Suns next. Again, what a effing series this was. We were talking about it from the jump that the Suns kind of got a little bit shafted with the luck of the draw that they happen to have drawing the AD and LeBron Lakers. But AD, I don't want to say was a shell of himself, but even even when healthy, he played well. But it, it's tough to compete when you can't stay on the floor. And I mean, we saw it in game six in their eventual elimination game. Um, I mean, not having AD out there ended up kind of nipping them in the butt. But I do want to give all the credit in the world to the Suns. A very good team. Chris Paul coming in did a lot. I will say Chris Paul didn't really play great in game six, but it's uh, it's pretty easy when Devin Booker drops 47 and 11. But I want to also give a lot of credit to Devin Booker. He's arguably been my playoff MVP so far besides Luka. He did it all, really. He was all over the floor. He took every opportunity to make a bucket when he could. Has really improved as a playmaker, honestly. The stat line really doesn't show it, but he's a great mover of the ball around the court, really is able to facilitate his teammates really well. And honestly, just a great team victory over a really tough Lakers team. I think it'll definitely give him a lot of momentum going into the second round. But I this was probably, aside from the Mass Clippers series, this was my second favorite series to watch in the playoffs this far. I would have liked to have seen the series if AD was healthy, what would have happened. Mm-hmm. They, they basically, I mean, he, he kind of came out a little slow in game one, but game two and three, he was huge for them. He really kind of took over in those games, dropped 34 in both of them, and they won both those games. And then he got hurt very early in game four, and the Lakers just really couldn't do much without him. They lost all of the games that he was out for. So it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if he stayed healthy, because I think Phoenix could have taken that either way. Like Phoenix was a really good uh, opponent and those games, even those first three games were all pretty close. They obviously took one of them. So I definitely think they could have gone and upset the Lakers there, even if AD was healthy, but I think I had Lakers in seven. And the main reason was because I thought AD was just a tough matchup for Phoenix. And then he got hurt. So if I had known AD was going to get hurt, I definitely would have picked the Suns. I think they're a very good opponent. And uh, they're going to be a, a dark horse contender to potentially even win the West or maybe even win it all. I think they, they have a really, really solid roster here. And they're definitely one of the front runners at this point. But I think we should probably move on to the Clippers-Mavs unless you got anything else to say. 
I was the only thing I was going to mention before we quickly move on was it's kind of unfortunate to see the Nuggets and Suns play in the second round because they're two teams I could definitely see winning the West and would love to see win the West in general. But yeah, that's that's going to be a hell of a series. I did just want to mention that before we quickly skipped on to my favorite series of the postseason. Very disappointing finish. I wish the Mavs would have kind of pulled it out, but yeah, they. I don't want to say I don't want to say the Clippers didn't deserve it because the Mavericks definitely had well they had plenty of chances to close out the series, but. Yeah, I don't know, just kind of a sad finish, especially to what a great series Luca had. We talked about it before we started recording, but especially with such a great individual performance to have very little support from your other core starters, it's it makes it a, kind of a very disappointing end to the series. Yeah, I think Luca had an unreal series, like truly was carrying that team. Honestly, Dallas did not play that well. Like they shouldn't have even the fact that they pushed it all the way to game seven is it's pretty much solely on the play of of Luca in that series. He averaged 36 points, 10 assists, eight rebounds, shot 49% from the field, 41% from three. His free throw shooting was uncharacteristically low, but aside from that, he pretty much carried the, their offense the whole series. And when Porzingis is averaging like 13 points and Hardaway was kind of their second option, but even he was very streaky and inconsistent and they just didn't really have a, a clear supporting core for Luca and he he got the best out of his teammates when when he could but like they just weren't playing that well so especially in the losses it was really a one-man show and that's unfortunate uh Porzingis is supposed to be that second star and he just did not play up to the level that they needed him to to be able to pull off that that upset but they were really close to doing it and gotta give Luca a ton of credit for his play I don't want to say it's pretty sad that Luca had three games over 40 points, could have been four games over 40 points, but he put up 39 and they ended up losing the series. Usually when you get an individual playing that well, all it takes is one or two guys to put up 20 or 25 points and it's kind of sealed and dealed from there. But I, I'm going to be interested to see kind of what happens in the offseason because as you mentioned, the Mavericks have a very, very good roster. I think it's built really well around Luka. You have a good amount of perimeter play and combined with some pretty decent inside presence. But I think as we mentioned with Trailblazers, I think they're one, one or two maybe pieces away from making it a legitimate contest and putting them in contention for a deep run in the playoffs. But I'd be interested to see where that move comes, whether maybe be like an inside big man or maybe another wing player. But I, I don't know. I think there's a little a little bit of tweaking that there needs to be done to the roster to kind of alleviate the pressure off of Luca and have it be do or die on his shoulders. But I think if there's anyone to be more than willing to sacrifice some pieces to keep happy or to make the team better around him, I think it is Luca. Like you don't really get a talent like that every day. And the comparisons between him and Bird from pretty much everyone in the media were pretty I don't I don't want to say pretty out there, but you could kind of watch the way he was playing and it's very bird esque. So I mean, that kind of talent doesn't come around that often. So I definitely think that the Mavericks should be more than willing to kind of oblige and put some more talent around Luca if needed. Yeah, Luca's kind of somewhere in between like a bird or a magic. I don't think he really clearly uh, plays like either one of them really, but he's he's kind of, he's really his own thing. Like, you know, there's there hasn't really been another Larry Bird or another Magic Johnson. And I don't really think there's ever been a, a Luka Doncic either. He's kind of his own thing. But I, I agree. He's he's a very low ego kind of player that wouldn't be opposed to to bringing in another star and sort of limiting his role a little bit. But they just don't have anyone that can really do that right now. I would have loved to have seen them uh, target Kyle Lowry. I think we, we might have mentioned that at some point during one of our other podcasts, trade deadline kind of podcasts. I think he would have been a really great addition there. Someone that's also very unselfish, can handle the ball and, and take over a little bit if they need him to. But can also play off ball. We've seen him kind of play in a two guard set with Van Vliet a lot and 
it works fine. Uh, he can obviously shoot really well. He's got a good leadership and defense, but I think that would have that would have helped them a lot in this series having someone like that. They need uh, another guy that can kind of take that pressure off of Luca, and because at times he does kind of look a little fatigued, especially in the the later games of the series, fourth quarter kind of big play uh, moments. He's just he's tired because he's been carrying their their team the whole game. But anyways, uh, we gotta we gotta give credit to the Clippers too. They're down in that series two nothing, and they they fought back and came away with the the game seven victory and. Kawhi especially was really great for them. Average 32 points, eight rebounds, four and a half assists. Paul George was a pretty solid second piece there too. Definitely better than last year, but still not not as great as you would want from Paul George to really carry them. But he was he was definitely a good uh, second option. He definitely played significantly better than last year, but Kawhi did, as you mentioned, have a great series. I mean, really no surprise. Kawhi, I think silently is still in most people's top five, and I think rightfully so. He's much like Luka. He's not really super out there with his demeanor. He kind of just lets his play speak for himself. But yeah, Kawhi, Kawhi had a great series. And I mean, with them winning, these these West matchups are nuts. <laughs> these West matchups are crazy. Um, and I guess without further ado, we might as well go right into it. So our conference semifinals, aka second round uh, predictions here. But so little disclaimer, both of the Eastern Conference series are already one game in. Game two between the Nets and Bucks will be played tonight as long with, along with game one of the Nuggets and Suns. So do we want to do a little series preview and then a little prediction? Or what did you want to do for this? Yeah, let's do a preview slash prediction. You want to start with the East since we've already got one game out? Yeah, let's do it. Series. Yeah, so it's uh, we'll go we'll go to the Bucks and the Nets. This, in all honesty, game one like in both these series hasn't really swayed my opinion in any way. Yeah, no, no, neither for me either. To be honest, the Hawks looked awful down the stretch. They were not even close to convincing and closing that game out. They were up by twenty, I think it was two or three different times, and then it came down to six or something with uh, with just over thirty seconds left or twenty five seconds left, and then they they tried their best to blow it. I can't lie. Yeah, not a convincing win at all. And I don't really expect them to win another game for a while in this series, to be honest. I think that one was a bit of a fluke. I think them getting up early was, I don't want to say just kind of coming out of the gate hot, but I, I don't really see the Sixers coming out that soft in the beginning of a game again. Trey Young and Matisse Thibel could be a very interesting dynamic throughout the series. I wonder how often they're going to get the chance to actually guard each other, how many times they're going to get kind of an isolation step. But they really just got to stifle Trey Young because if you get the ball out of Trey Young's hands, they do have capable scores. But I, I think just getting the ball out of Trey Young's hands, I think should be priority number one, especially with how good of a defensive team the Sixers are. They're able to rotate pretty seamlessly and especially switching player to player. They have, they have guys who can guard multiple positions, i.e. Ben Simmons, kind of be able to put him everywhere. In terms of a prediction, it's kind of hard for me because the, the Hawks coming out hot does give me a little bit of skepticism that this game is going to be anything but convincing, or sorry, series is going to be anything but convincing. I'm going to say 76ers and six. I just don't think the Hawks really match up that well defensively. I think we're going to see a very dominant series from Embiid, averaging probably 30 plus, maybe 10 or 11 rebounds, few blocks. The, this this should be the Sixers win, to be honest with you, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks push this to seven, but I'm going to go Sixers and six. I probably would have said Sixers and five prior to the series. Now that we have one game in and the Hawks are up 1-0, I might also go Sixers and six. I think it's possible the Hawks get another win there, but I think the second half of that, of that game is going to be indicative of what we see in this series. Philly made some defensive adjustments, especially with the in terms of how they guarded the pick and roll, and it really seemed to to screw with the Hawks offense a lot. So I think they're going to come out of this game with a few more adjustments and take the momentum from here. I, I definitely think they're going to take control of this series in the next few games. I'm honestly tempted to say Sixers and five, but I think 
you know, one more fluky kind of game like this where, where the Hawks offense just gets hot and Philly gets a little cold, I, I think it could happen. So I'll say Sixers and six, but to me, they're just a much better team. So yeah, I think they're just- going to take control. I was going to say, that's the same with me. I'd be, I'd be more convinced if the Hawks were a bit more of a complete team, but I, I don't want to say they're very offensive heavy, but as I said, I don't think they're really going to have an answer on the inside. I think it's just going to have a field day on both sides of the floor. So I, I just don't really see the series going the distance. But again, the Hawks could prove me wrong. Trey Young could have an unbelievable series. I don't know, but my gut is telling me that the 76ers should have this, so I'm going to stick with Sixers and Six. Uh, we'll bounce over to the other series in the East, that being the Bucks and the Nets. I think this one's a lot more of a toss-up than the Hawks 76ers series. The Nets winning, I th- they were they were in control most of the game. I mean, Giannis was still doing his thing, but the Nets were in control a lot of the game. Giannis did have 34 and 11, but it's hard when the Nets can really throw the ball to anybody and they, they can kind of do their own thing. Like Blake had an 18 and 14, uh, Joe Harris had 19, Kyrie had 25, KD had 29. So, I mean, pretty even scoring for the most part. Uh, Harden didn't play. Well, he played one minute, but he didn't really play. To be honest, this one's really hard for me because I could easily see the Bucks kind of doing the same thing and being able to spread the wealth, but it's so hard with the three-headed snake that the Nets have to kind of overlook that. I'm going to say Nets in seven. I think the big three is going to be too much at some point. And I mean, as much as good as Giannis is, I think there's only so much he can do as, as deep of a team as Milwaukee is. It's just, it's so hard to overlook the influx of talent that the Nets have on their roster. So I, I'm going to say Nets and seven again could easily go the other way, but I just this is a series that the Nets are going to kind of prove themselves, and I think the Bucks are definitely going to give them a challenge, which is why I think it's going to go seven. But I just I think the the Nets are definitely going to prevail here. Prior to the playoffs starting, the Nets were actually my championship pick, and I still definitely think they could uh, could pull that off. But prior to this series, like even before Game One, my my gut was telling me the Bucks and seven, and. Honestly, game one really didn't change my mind at all. I think the Bucks had a really bad shooting night, and and that's kind of got some surprisingly great play from someone like Blake Griffin that I don't think they're going to be able to rely on every single game. That game one, honestly, kind of made me a little bit more confident in Milwaukee. They played pretty badly and still almost came away with the victory. So uh, I, I'm going to take Bucks in seven. Definitely could go either way, like you mentioned. I think Brooklyn is a really, really strong roster. Uh, it's interesting to note that like Harden's sitting out game two. I think he'll probably be back for game three. It's just like some hamstring tightness or something. So I don't think it's going to really uh, debilitate him for the rest of the series. But he, that's definitely something to monitor here as well. And obviously, DiVincenzo's hurt for the Bucks, So like this, this is kind of a toss-up series. But I'm sticking with Bucks and seven. I think they have the right defensive roster to slow down Brooklyn. And uh, Brooklyn really has no matchup for... Giannis at all and we saw that in game one Giannis dominated they just had a uncharacteristically bad shooting night from three that I, I don't think Brooklyn can be relying on every game to happen if the buck supporting cast shoots the ball a lot better like they normally do they're obviously one of the best three-point shooting teams in the in the league usually if their shooters come to play like they did in series one and they did throughout the regular season I think this is this is trouble for Brooklyn on defense so I'm going to take the bucks in seven could go either way though obviously tough series yeah super tough series i i don't mind the bucks the bucks in seven either i think this one's definitely going to go to the distance if i had to pick i think harden being out for game two i think i'll have a lot to do with that i think this series could be one where we see it bounce back and forth between games i really don't think i see a team in this really coming out in a little 2-0 stretch 
Um, but again, again, like the Hawks series could, could very well be wrong. I could be proven wrong. This is going to be a great series to watch. I'm super excited for game two tonight. And I guess we'll talk about the other game that's on tonight. Game one of the Nuggets Sun series. This, this series has a lot of great dynamics for me. Um, I do really wish Jamal Murray was active in this game so we could see a Jamal Murray, Devin Booker matchup, but I think Nicole Jokic and, uh, and DeAndre Ayton is going to be a really interesting uh, matchup as well. These are two really good teams. The Suns are extremely, are an extremely good two-way team. And then Nuggets running from the inside out with Jokic kind of dictating play. I think it's going to be a really cool dynamic to see uh, two really different style offenses uh, go at it. This one's really hard for me because I was very high on the Suns going into the postseason. I think they are one of the better teams still in the postseason, of course, indicative by their win. But this is a series I would have liked to see as a conference final and not as a second round matchup. But uh, this is so hard for me. I'm going to ride with my MVP pick and go Nuggets in six. I feel like that core is going to come out and ride a lot of the momentum they had out of the first round. And I feel like it's they're just going to come out hot. And Jokic is going to be able to feel it early. MPJ is going to keep making strides. And I, I don't know, as good as good as the Suns are, I just feel like Nikola Jokic is going to win that matchup with Aiden. And I think that's that's going to kind of set the pace for the rest of the series. But even I'm not convinced with that pick because the Suns are going to make it a series regardless. So I'm just going to, I'm going to rock with it. I think Nuggets in six, that's going to be my gut pick. Jokic is going to once again prove for the second series in a row why he's the MVP. And yeah, that's pretty much it. To me, this series comes down to a few things. I think, number one, how healthy is Chris Paul? Because he obviously had some shoulder issues towards the end of that that Lakers-Sun series. Didn't play his best in game six. It de- definitely seemed to be bothering him a little bit. He's obviously had a few days to rest now, and it didn't seem like it was obviously not a serious injury, so maybe he'll be healthy. But that's definitely something to monitor. The other thing is, if Aiden gets in foul trouble, the Suns are really screwed down low. Because Aiden Aiden's a pretty good defender, and he, he can slow down Jokic to some extent, but they don't really have much else besides him. <laughs> like Frank Kaminsky is not, not a great option to guard <laughs> Jokic. And, uh, you know, they got like Jalen Smith, the rookie, who's also not going to be able to slow down Jokic at all. And they don't really have a lot of size on the bench uh, down low. So if, if Aiden gets in foul trouble, that's always going to be a bad thing for Phoenix. The other thing to, to monitor here is, is how Michael Porter Jr. plays. I think the Suns have really great wing defenders with Bridges and Jay Crowder, even Cam Johnson to some extent. And I think this is not a great individual matchup for him. So it's a, it's a really interesting series. I think the, I think Chris Paul is healthy. So that to me is like not a super huge worry. Um, I'm, I'm definitely thinking this is going to seven games and it's going to come down to how many games Jokic can, can just take over and get Aiden in foul trouble. And I think it's going to happen three times. So I'm going to lean with the Suns winning in seven, but it could go either way. This is another really tough series to pick. The West is really just, it's so hard to pick a West <laughs> West winner. Like every series in the West, except for the Jazz Grizzlies, basically every other series, I've been kind of torn between who to pick. And this is yeah. this is definitely a really tough one. But I, I, I'm going to go Suns in seven. I think they have a little bit more depth a little bit more talent overall on that roster, but it's, this is a tough one for sure. I think if this one ends up boiling down to being a Suns win, I think we're going to have the same conversation that we had after the Suns beat the Lakers, a little what-if scenario if AD was healthy. I think this series would be a lot different if Jamal Murray was healthy. I think it just provides another ripple of that offense, and especially with their roster depth, I think it it provides a lot more than it, would hinder, than it hinders them currently, but I just uh, – yeah, 
every every series in the second round is going to be super entertaining and tightly contested, so it could easily go either way. But yeah, this tonight is going to be a great night. <laughs> yeah, that's all I really have to say. But we'll go to one of the only two games tomorrow night, not the Hawks and 76ers, but the Clippers and Jazz. Do you want to do you want to get it started with this one? This is another tough one, man. Uh, hmm. I'm honestly, I don't know who I'm going to pick yet, so I'm, I'm going to swing it over to you if you want to go first. Yeah, I'll go first. This one is probably going to be the hardest one to call for me, to be honest. Oh, this is so tough because you're going to see a matchup from the majority of the series being Kawhi on Mitchell, which is going to be a very great, very great matchup. And then from there, you're probably going to have Royce on PG, who Royce is a pretty good defender. So that's going to be also another great matchup going the other way. But then you'll have Gobert. You'll have Gobert kind of being left to, I don't want to say do whatever he wants, but there's really going to be no answer on the inside to him. This series is so hard for me because there's so many different ripples to this matchup. Like, I feel like the takeover ability of Kawhi, I feel like would kind of outshine the takeover ability of Mitchell. And again, not to discredit Donovan Mitchell, but Kawhi has had a very great postseason and is very known for excelling in the in the bright light scenarios. But I think I think this comes down to the impact of Gobert, to be quite honest. And I I mean, although I don't see this game kind of flourishing on the inside between both teams, I just Gobert's ability to to hinder and make shots difficult and just be just be an absolute nuisance on the inside most of the time. If he is effective early in the series and is able to take a stranglehold, I don't really see an outcome where the Jazz don't give it back, so to speak. So I'm going to say Jazz in seven. I think this one is definitely going to go the stretch. I like the matchup with how strong these two teams are. I just... I think the Jazz just the Jazz have a lot more depth, and I feel like that's going to come back, come back and kind of bite the Clippers in the butt because there's there's not much you can do when there's that much production and there's starters, and then you get to the bench and you have Jumbo Joe and you have uh, Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench like with other guys as well. So, I this is going to be another great series, and I mean could easily go the other way like we said about every other one of these series, but I think Jazz in seven just sounds right to me, and I think Gobert and Donovan Mitchell could could have a great series here and really prove themselves to be ready to get over that hump against a tough team. But again, could easily go the other way, but I'm going to go Jazz in seven here. Much like the Suns-Nuggets series, these two teams played three times in the regular season. Jazz actually won two out of three, but one of them, the Clippers are missing Kawhi, Paul George, Batum, and Kennard. So we can pretty much just that game throw that one happen. out the window. That wasn't a real game. The other two were decided by an average margin of five points, going one apiece. So like this is one that really could go either way. And with the, the Nuggets versus Suns, Nuggets won two to three. But again, they had Murray healthy for most of those games. Two of those games went into overtime. So again, like that, that series could go either way too. Man, this one, I think I'm going to go Clippers in seven. And it's really going to come down to, to how much of an impact Gobert can have in this series offensively and defensively. And how much Mitchell can step up and lead that, that offense. I think the problem, man, this is tough. <laughs> I, I know, man. <laughs> this is so tough. I think the, the problem I have with the Jazz is they're a little bit unproven in the playoffs. They don't have a ton of experience in tough series. And most of those that they have, like tough matchups, haven't really gone their way. They lost to the Nuggets in seven last year. And I think, I can't remember who, who beat them a few years ago, but they haven't really been proven in, in a tough matchup. They obviously beat the Grizzlies, but the Grizzlies aren't really the toughest matchup. So We'll see how this series goes. Kawhi is obviously a, a huge proven playoff performer. Hopefully Paul George can kind of live up to, to being that second billing like he was in the first series and even hopefully be even better in this one. And that, that would really swing it in their favor. But this is one that could really go either way. 
I think I'm going to go Clippers in seven, but I'm like 50-50 on this one. This is a this is a coin flip for me. I think aside from the 76ers, I think we actually picked different outcomes for the other three. Yeah, I could go either way with the other three, really. Yeah, same here. That's I think by far, I think the Clippers Jazz is definitely the hardest one for me to call. I mean, as, as tight as I think the Nuggets Suns is going to be, I just... I don't know, something about that Jazz Clippers series. I mean, as I mentioned, or as you mentioned as well, the Jazz really haven't been able to shine the brightest in the brightest of scenarios in the playoffs, like having to kind of really get over that hump and prove that they're a playoff team and even finals bound team. This is very much a statement series for the Jazz core. I think this series will be either Gobert's welcome party. Welcome party, I guess, and proven playoff success alongside of Donovan Mitchell, or it's just going to be another year where it's like they're a great regular season team. They're able to perform against the lower echelon of playoff teams, but then you get to a top contender and they really can't hang. To be honest, I don't really have, in terms of like a favorite team to win this, I don't really have a favorite. I think either team would be a great matchup for uh, whoever comes out of the Nuggets Sun series, but... I think this is definitely going to be a show me series for me, whether or not the jazz are ready to break into the upper echelon of the West. And like, in terms of like being proven, of course they're in the upper echelon. I mean, they finished first in the West, but this is definitely their time to shine. And I feel like this year is their year. That's why I think it's going to be jazz in seven. I think if if they win this series, I'd be very confident picking them in the next round. It's just whether or not they can, they can perform under the pressure against a really tough opponent kind of remains to be seen. And that's, that's ultimately why I'm taking the Clippers here, but, I actually think Utah might be the stronger roster overall. I just think the Clippers have a little bit more proven playoff experience throughout that lineup with guys like Rondo and Kawhi and Ibaka. All these guys have won titles. Paul George has some good postseason play in the past. He also has some bad postseason play, so we'll see how that goes. But this one definitely could go either way. Yeah, for sure. No, I guess before before we skip to the end of the uh, of the episode, I did want to give a quick final recap of the first round. I wanted to ask who you had as your first round playoff MVP so far. If you had to pick a person, I mean, I'm tempted to pick Luca, but I, I don't think I can pick someone that lost, even though he was fantastic. And that's kind of also the same, same issue with Dame. So to me, that kind of leaves a few really strong options here. Embiid would have been in strong consideration if he didn't get hurt at the end of that series. But I think Trey Young potentially is someone to, to consider here. But I, I think I'd actually go Jokic. I, I kind of mentioned before Jokic got a little bit slept on in that series because Dame was playing so well, but he also averaged like 33 points and 11 rebounds, almost five assists too. Nice. Uh, with Murray out, they they really needed him to to come through for them, and he he really did. So I think he'd be my pick. Yeah, no, I'm gonna to not be so chalk. My idea was actually I was gonna go Jokic as well. Um, but there's a there's a lot of great contenders you could have here. I mean, as you mentioned, Trey Young's a great contender. Even Giannis had a great series against the Heat. Really, really snubbed a lot of doubters, saying it was going to be uh, history was going to repeat itself. But I guess I guess for parity, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Trey Young. I mean, was able to kind of build himself into the villain role at MSG. Had some very very outspoken actions in the in MSG throughout the series. And I mean. Everyone loves a good villain, especially in sports. Being the anti-hero kind of heel of the series is so entertaining to watch. And he he gave it his all throughout the series. Really gave New York a single face to hate. Um, but that was a great great series from start to end. And Trey Young was a lot of the reason why the Hawks ended up coming out on top. So I think I would I think it's a very like a fairly close race between uh, you go Jokic, Giannis, Trey Young, um, and even even I mean I think Devin Booker is definitely in that conversation still. Yeah. I think even Donovan Mitchell has a fairly good resume going in right now, even Kawhi Leonard as well. Then I guess playing off of that, I mean, with the second round series of the names that we just mentioned, who do you think maybe we could see breaking into the playoff MVP front runner after uh, the second round? 
I think if the Nuggets beat the Suns, Jokic continues to be the front runner for me. But I, obviously, I picked the Suns in that one. So I, I, I had the Bucks winning against the Nets, and in, in order to do that, Giannis is really going to have to take over. So to me, that's going to be that's going to be the one I, I'd pick here. I think he had a really great series against Miami on both ends, and he's going to have to continue to do that against Brooklyn. He did in Game One. They didn't quite get the win, but I think the the rest of the team's going to come up uh, big as well and he can continue to lead them so that's going to be the the pick for me yeah I, I don't hate that pick at all I think much like you said I think if the Nuggets end up beating the Suns I think Jokic rightfully so will probably be the number one in my opinion as well but Giannis isn't a bad pick again as you mentioned had a great series against the Heat I think if the Clippers beat the Jazz I think it's going to be a lot to do with Ka- the play of Kawhi on both ends of the floor and I think if they end up beating the Jazz and knocking out the best seed in the West at least in the regular season I think that holds a lot of weight in my opinion so I think Kawhi is a series where he goes like 36 and 8 with a few steals in a game shoots really well and they end up winning in six or seven I think Kawhi could easily make a conversation for top two if not the uh the number one spot for me yeah Kawhi is definitely a good one He's someone I thought about as well. He had a really great series against Dallas. Averaged 32 points, eight rebounds, four and a half assists, two and a half steals, a block. Uh, he keeps that play up and, and gets the win against the number one seed. That would definitely that would definitely put him really strong in that in that contention as well. Yeah, I mean, unless there's anything uh, we have left to talk about, I mean, I'm fine with wrapping it up there. I'd love for us to keep monitoring the playoff MVP and, and sort of have a have a pick at the end of the series uh, at the end of the, the playoffs. We'll do our own finals MVP, but I also like the idea of having an all-around playoff MVP. Yeah, so do I. Kind of good doing it round by round, see how they keep matching up as we go. Um, I do want to give a quick honorable mention to Luca. I think I think regardless of him losing, I mean, he probably had the greatest first-round series um, of this postseason. I mean, as I mentioned, three games of 40-plus could have been four games of 40-plus. Really did it all. I mean, left his, left his heart and soul out on the floor the entire series. So there's a lot of promise going forward with that team. I mean, a lot to do with Luca, But we're going to see the Mavs back again for sure. And I think, honestly, better than ever next season. And yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about or do you want to wrap it up? I think we can wrap it up. All right. Well, this has been the ninth episode of the Overline Sports Layup Line. Very happy, as always, to be joined by my co-host, Nolan Russell. Nolan did post up Over the Line Sports People's Choice Award ballot on uh, on our Over, Over the Line Sports website. Be sure to check out the article with all the information and details needed there and also the link to vote yourself. And besides that, we're going to be recording uh, after every round may pop in if uh, something super eventful happens for an episode here or there. But we're going to go round by round and we're going to keep you guys with some current content, our our best and worst takes, as you've probably noticed over the last few weeks. And I guess with that, be sure to follow us on Instagram, over the line sport, or OTL Sports CA. Also on Twitter, that's the same handle. And yeah, I guess with that, just have a great day. Enjoy playoff basketball and don't miss your layup.